Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith, owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything real estate investor related for your tax, legal, and business needs. Uh, I'm here today with Scott Myers. He is a great friend of mine and uh, one of the smartest guys in real estate that I know. Uh, Scott, thanks for coming on the show. And, and can you share with us a little bit about yourself so people have some context of, of this uh, best deal that we're going to be talking about today? Sure. Well, maybe I should give him context and say you said um, I'm one of the smartest real estate guys you know as well. So I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so I've been in real estate um, for gosh, better than 25 years, getting into uh, 1993, started buying houses and then uh, apartments and then got into industrial buildings and self-storage. And that's where I find myself now. I don't do uh, anything in, in terms of residential. It's nothing but industrial and self-storage. And so the uh, yeah the the best deal that I'm going to discuss right now is uh, is one of our industrial properties. It's the biggest property I've ever owned, and um, yeah, we call it the we affectionately call it the boomerang property around here because I bought it and sold it once, and then I bought it back again. I'm getting ready to sell it again. <laughs> is that right? Mm -hmm. Oh man, yeah, those are always great when you can end up going through and, and just keep recashing out on the same piece yep. of local yep. property. That's great. <laughs> so how how does that end up happening? What does a scenario like look like that you can kind of see when you're going to have a boomerang type of property like that? Well, yeah, I couldn't. I didn't think that I could see it in the beginning. I think uh, sometimes when people take a uh, you know a property back, it means that they never really relinquished it. Or maybe they're loaning on it or something. And although there's a, there's a piece of that to this one, uh, I had no idea that I was going to buy it back again. But uh, oddly enough, the thing is now, Scott, um, I, I think that after I sell it this time, there's a pretty good chance I'm probably going to end up with it again. I just I have this uh, sense about it. So who knows? The spidey sense is tingling. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Scott, tell us about, um, you know, in the deal, like what is going on, you know, before the first time you get into this deal, mm -hmm. um, what's going on like with you? What, what is the outlook of, you know, the landscape yeah. of what it means to be Scott as a real estate investor looking for deals? Yeah, sure. So this was, a, you know, the first time I got into this uh, deal was in uh, 2005. And so I was on the tail end of um, really kind of, you know, turning things around from the last recession that we had, the one prior to 2008 and uh, through 1999, the tech bubble. And with the, uh, when the presidential administration at the time decided that everybody should own a house and uh, therefore uh, they implemented the Community Reinvestment Act in which um, anybody that could fog a mirror could buy a house, which they did. Um, you know, all of our tenants were leaving in our houses and apartments. We had over 400 apartment units, we had about 100 houses. And so um, we were trying to turn that ship around and um, sell things off as quickly as we uh, could. And once we got out of that, um, I was uh, getting into then uh, looking at commercial and, and self-storage. Well, when I sold my last um, apartment complex, um, I had officed out of that uh, apartment complex. And so my assistant, uh, I was taking my assistant with me and we were really looking just for a, a 20,000 square foot, uh, maybe maybe even less than that, like maybe 15 or, or so thousand square foot um, building in which we could office out of and it would be a multi-tenant and that way it would pay for my office because my office was free and it, any other, you know, piece of real estate that I own. I just officed out of these big apartment complexes. There was always room, you know, and an office space in the back to do so. But now uh, we had to go find something. So I was searching around uh, online and I found um, when I was looking at my parameters in terms of numbers, cost per square foot and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, I tagged on seller financing and a few other keywords. 
Well, up came uh, this property that had all of that seller financing. The cost per square foot was uh, crazy. The 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 um, cap rate, capitalization rate was crazy on it. Um, the only caveat is that instead of twenty thousand, it was two hundred thousand square foot. Um, it was a huge industrial building. It used to be an old AMP. For those that remember the AMP grocery stores, it's an old AMP grocery depot. And so. I, um, I, I thought, well, I need to go down and take a look at this um, just in terms of the price per square foot. So I, I came down and took a look at it and it was way bigger than uh, anything that I had ever imagined. It was a, but it was a cool old industrial historical building that was built in uh, 1929 and they had some warehouses that were added onto it. And I think that the, the thing that attracted me at this point was um, not only was it new and different because I was so tired of you know, tenants and toilets, but it was more of a challenge too. And I was like, I, I wanted to do something fun but challenging, but not as challenging as um, being in the tenant toilet world was. But uh, this was refreshing because it wasn't. It was we were talking about people storing in you know, warehousing and, and some commercial office space and things of that nature. And so I was I was kind of wanting to spread my wings. And I guess maybe more than anything, probably have a second chance to prove myself in the real estate world because it was either this or go back and get a job. And well, as you and I discussed before this call, you know that that's not an option. <laughs> um, you know, if I had to go support my family doing it that way, I would. But um, I really want to stay in real estate. So, so we uh, we made a run at this uh, this deal. And um, at the time, we didn't have a, it, when we wound down our apartments and our houses, uh, still in, in a really low cash situation or, or um, cash poor. Uh, we didn't profit as much as we had wanted to. And so, in order to buy something like this, so. Fortunately, um, um, I was able to get a loan, an 80% LTV loan, and then the seller was, was um, offering a seller carryback, and uh, they were holding up the note in, in second position on this and allowed me to get in for literally no money down into this project. So a 200,000 square foot um, uh, building uh, at $1.5 million, and I got in for no money down. So that, that, was, that was pretty cool. And it was cash flowing still after paying both um, notes to the bank and to the individual, the seller, um, in, in a crazy fashion with lots of room to expand. Now, the, the challenge with this, um, Scott, is that I had, um, well, there were, there were multiple, but one was that, that this wasn't just a real estate play. Um, it had been operating in the past as a small business incubator. So it was called the Entrepreneur Business Center. And so there were lots of folks coming in to get an inexpensive space, a buck a square foot a month, all utilities included. And then they had shared conference rooms and office uh, space that could be, you know, what we call co-working space now today. And um, it, it was really set up for um, folks that were coming out of the basement, coming out of Starbucks, maybe working out of their truck to have a, an office that was inexpensive and a way to have access to all these uh, conference rooms and, and group sharing um, facilities, um, you name it, copiers, uh, printers, you know, you name it. Plus, um, it, when it was run as an incubator at the time, they were having the, the Small Business Administration come over and, and assist with business planning and micro loans and things of that nature. Well, um, it had ceased operating that way um, prior to me buying it. The, the owner that I had it right now, he'd owned it for three years and he was, um, he was a gentleman that was in his 80s and he just wasn't into that entrepreneur stuff. He was just into the real estate. Well, we decided that the, the highest and best use for this was to really implement those you know, incubator services again. And so we joined the National Business Incubator Association. And uh, long story short, did I not just uh, buy a, an office building that I could office out of, but uh, not only a huge facility, but uh, we then became the largest small business incubator in the state. And I was the executive director. So I got myself a job <laughs> that I kind of didn't necessarily want, but, uh, but enjoyed once I got into it, but then also had a big old building. So we, um, we then added, um, created a lot of value into this. And, and this was the only thing I was doing. I sold everything off. And so this was the, um, this was the only real estate play I had at the time. 
Uh, we were uh, buying self-storage facilities uh, in subsequent years, but um, for about the first year and a half to two years, we were really just driving the value in this, uh, lowering expenses, doing some rehab, and um, increasing the income. So we, we added some more office space, about 6,000 square feet of office to it, uh, leased up every single inch of this uh, property that, um, that we could possibly uh, lease up. And uh, the cash flow was great. And uh, now fast forward, we're at uh, 2007. And uh, I would love to tell you, Scott, and everybody here that my crystal ball was working well or that I had some brilliant insight as to what was going to happen in uh, 2008. Um, but the you know, fact of the matter is I didn't. Um, this was just, it was time. I had I'd, um, increased the value of this. Um, everything was full. We were at the top of the market, so I put it out for sale. So I, I listed it and sold it for $3.9 million. And I had um, I had one point nine million into it. We spent four hundred thousand on the on the adding the office spaces and some others, and so put it under contract then for fullest price three point nine million. And I took back uh, a second mortgage on it, just like the previous owner did uh, with me when we sold it. So I took ten percent um, seller carry back uh, back at three hundred ninety thousand dollars in a note made out to me, and so we sold it and um, you know did extremely well. That was a, the largest payday I had ever seen. Um, and uh, we did a 1031 tax deferred exchange into another self-storage facility. And so we were now all in self-storage. That was it. That was all we were doing. Well, then, um, as you all know, what happened in 2008 and <laughs> subsequent years, this, um, the seller, um, he, he filed, or excuse me, the buyer of this property, he went bankrupt. He had uh, developments. He was from California, had developments out there in Hawaii, and uh, went belly up. And so there went my $390,000. So... But I think, you know, Scott, as you tell your folks, you know, if you're going to sell something with, um, you know, seller financing, you know, just be prepared to lose it. You better be happy with what you get at the closing table because there's no assurance that you're going to get anything, you know, on top of that. And so I was, I was a little disappointed in, uh, in that, uh, to say the least. Um, but then within a, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, now it's 2011. And he's contacting me and stating, hey, I filed bankruptcy and this is the last thing that we're winding down and um, it's going to go back to the bank now. They're, they're not patient with um, selling, me selling it any longer or doing anything and it's going to probably just go, go dark. And so I, I visited. He contacted me like two or three times. Every year he'd call me and, and then the price would come down by like three or $400,000. <laughs> so finally he said, hey, this thing's for sale. I had it under contract for $600,000. And it's going to go back to the bank or, you know, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't pay utilities. There's liens on it from contractors. It's going to go um, dark and the city's going to take it over if you want to go take a look at it. So I went down and, and looked at it again. And, and uh, you know, nobody knows this building better than me. But I thought even if I'm half as good as I was the last time and they were able to turn this around and maybe sell it for $2 million, um, perhaps um, it's worth taking a run at. And so... I decided that we had to for $3.98 a square foot that we're buying this thing back for uh, $500,000 for a, um, a, a 200,000 square foot building. We couldn't pass it up. So it wouldn't support a bank loan at this point. It just didn't have enough net operating income. So I got really good, really quick at raising some private capital, put together a private placement and um, uh, we had 14 investors put in uh, and we took it down all cash. And uh, so and I guess kind of a, I don't know, maybe a funny note in this. Uh, this perhaps is a good lesson for these folks uh, that, that uh, <laughs> for this story, even though it wasn't, a, it, it all turned out well. But, you know, when, when I'm having these negotiations with this guy, um, I'm really realizing that not only in addition to the 545000 that I had to uh, spend to buy the property back, or that was the, the price to, to clear it out, 
but there was an additional almost $100,000 in liens that had to be cleared. In order to clear the title, I had to pay the liens. So in other words, he stiffed all these contractors and I had to pay his debts. He also um, owed taxes on it, admin taxes. I had to pay the back taxes that he hadn't paid. And, and now, remind you that here's a lesson is that this is the guy that stiffed me for $390,000 and I'm paying all of his back bills, even though I, I didn't get paid for my portion. And not only um, uh, is that the case, but I also had to pay his back attorney fees, um, the same attorney who you know put him through bankruptcy so that he could not pay me. <laughs> so, um, I mean, a couple of ways of looking at this, and, but the only way to look at it is that um, at this point, it just becomes a business and take the emotion out of it. And um, even though how I got my that, day, Scott? like, cause that's a big, that's a big pill to swallow, right? Like how huge. does that, how does that, how do you actually do that though? Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, it's just business. You just got to clear your mind of it. It's like, you, that's not yeah. like a decision. That's not like something you just like wake up and be like, Oh, I'm really angry about this. And then one second, like when somebody tells you that you're not like, okay, mm -hmm. now I'm good. Like yeah. how do you transition from one to the other? Do you think? It's a, it's a bitter pill to swallow, um, but it's just, it's all on the numbers. And it's, it's the same when you look at, I mean, how many wholesalers we have out there that um, are listening to this or part of your tribe that, um, you know, somebody always will, they'll go back in the tax records and then look at this wholesaler's price and say, well, I can see that you bought it for this and you're selling it to me for X. You know, I, I just can't buy it from you because you're going to make this amount of money on it. Is it well, what difference does it make? Um, if you're going to take that property from here to here in value and you're going to make this much money on it, what do you care what the guy makes that brought it to you? Maybe he paid a dollar for that property and he's selling it to you for 20000 Who cares if you're going to you know, buy it for 20000 and you're going to rehab it for fifteen and sell it for eighty or sixty? Who, who, who cares? And so you know, I, I guess that's probably the best analogy. Um, and so once people get over that, you know, when the people, the retailers that buy houses from wholesalers get over that, then, well, they're the ones that all, you know, they just look at it for dollars and cents. Now this is a little different because the guy actually stiffed me. It's not like he's making money, but right. it's, it, it, it's just no different. I mean, that's kind of what I had to tell myself is like, okay, here's a gift. I get this property back. I'm the only one who knows how to run this thing. Um, I, nobody else is looking at this, at this price. You know, I, I got the exclusive rights to look at buying this building for $3 and 98 cents a square foot, which there are no other properties listed on LoopNet or probably by any broker in the country, an industrial property selling anywhere at the time for $3 and 98 cents a foot. And I'm the only one who knows about it. And I'm the only one who can take it from here to last time I took it up to a, a value of um, 4 million. Um, even during a recession, you know, what, what can I do with it? Well, let, let's take a look. So from that standpoint, you know what? Here's an opportunity for me to recoup my $390,000 and probably the best way for me to do it rather than what I was doing right now. I'm wondering so, about here, Scott, and listen to the story about it, something that maybe you did, you kind of hinted at earlier mm -hmm. was, um, cause you're saying it's just business, but that's, that's almost like in a way what I'm gleaming from you is like a way of looking at it and saying that I can't get angry at somebody because they mm -hmm. exercise their legal options because I knew what the legal options were that they had and where that could go in the future. Mm -hmm. And because those eventualities played out that way, I can't, I can't all of a sudden be upset because that happened because I knew You're about right. that when I got in the deal and I had to make that decision at that yep. time that I was okay with that mm -hmm. being one of the eventualities. Maybe You're that's right. a way to kind of like diffuse the like, anger. Like somebody hurt me. It's like, mm -hmm. no, I yep. made that decision really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so exactly. You know, um, when you put yourself in that position, even though it's highly unlikely, or at least maybe you think it's highly unlikely, you need to be prepared for it. When it happens, it stinks. And you may be mad at the way that it happened and, and the approach that this individual took. Um, but look at it for what it is, you know, whether, whether it is a business and, the, and if this thing would have come to me any other way, even though it was uh, the guy who brought it to me, I'd have been happy as a lark to take this thing and say, Hey, I think I can make a couple million bucks on this right. opportunity in front of me right now. 
So uh, again, what, what, what difference does it make uh, from that standpoint? So, you know, the interesting thing is I, I, I was, I was hardened a little bit uh, because of the lesson I learned from the, the gentleman that I bought it from. He was an old, he, funny thing, Scott, he's mentoring me kind of along the way in buying this property. It was very, you know, just one of those, you know, Hey, I can, you know, I see a little of myself and you son, you know, and <laughs> taking me yeah. under his wing and telling me how to, you know, structure things to kind of be walking through the process. Cause this was a bigger than anything that we had uh, done in the past. Um, but by the same time, when it came down to the, the closing, uh, there was just a little something that I, I had missed in the um, purchase agreement, uh, which gave him the right to basically hold me over a barrel. And uh, my broker at the time, um, he wasn't doing anything to say, hey, you need to you know, hold him to it or you need to you know, just sue for this or you know, do for that. And, and he knew full well what he was doing, um, the seller. So he was, he, was, he was part doing what he's done all along. I found out the guy was kind of a snake but also in his later years, turning into a, somewhat of a mentor to other people as well. And so again, another crummy lesson, a way of learning uh, um, how to go about things. But um, you know, this guy, at the end of it, all friends, and it was all business to him. And it was just like, hey, I helped you out along the way, but you know what? I still, I'm not gonna pass up my opportunity to screw you a little bit and get another $10,000 in my pocket. And you should be happy about it, Scott, because I just taught you a lesson and you'll never allow that to happen to you again. Now, those aren't his words, but those were, those were his actions and, and, and behind it, that's the way he viewed any, any business transaction in which he won in the end, that everybody should be you know, happy and it's all, because all's fair in love and war. And so I was, I was hardened you know, just a little bit by that experience with him to then it made, it made it an easier pill to swallow, you know, to step back and say, it is. This is business, and this is uh, this is numbers, and that's um, you know that's like the only way to take a look at it. So, and, in the um, community of people that you're doing deals with, like none of this stuff is actually personal. It's actually just 100 percent like just like you had warfare. The end of the war is over. Now we got to make peace and see how we can work together. I, you know, like the next thing is that really what's going on? Not not really. I mean, okay. the you know the the folks I do business with now, you know, the the capacity in which I'm partnering with folks is is one of uh, almost exclusively is a uh, you know l a limited partner and general partner. So I'm general partner and I'm I'm calling the shots and and everybody else is usually passive investors. I do have other partnerships where we're where we're calling the shots um, together and haven't run into any you know types of uh, roadblocks or you know anything along the way challenges that uh, that are going to change that relationship i'm sure it'll come up again i just that's just what happens in business and and i did just have one recently as a matter of fact um with a with a partner that we went down this path uh, together in a in a facility and shortly after, i mean very shortly after turned right back around and said nah, i think i kind of want to unwind this thing i can see the potential in it and, and, and i like the cash flow and what that means for my wife and i and so we kind of want you out <laughs> and um i said well not an original agreement and uh but uh, who wants to be married to somebody who you know doesn't want you um, around or in this and so we're we're looking at this from a standpoint i'm not i'm not rushing to unwind this for any reason um, because there's no reason to do so but um you know uh, that means a buyout and and i have to be happy with a number in, in terms of a buyout and and that's fine it's better than forcing that and then um you know going through a, you know the business partnership in five years you know before we sell something and being just miserable about it. Life's too short these days for, for that type of thing. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it definitely is. Life's too short to be able to cry over spilt milk. And it definitely helps mm -hmm. if you can compartmentalize it to say, this is just a business. And some, mm -hmm. some, some guys I hear talking about it say, look, you almost have to look at it as if it were a game and there's rules that you play by and how well do you understand the game that's happening? Yeah. Is it's that kind of yeah. like the, the mentality that you use to help keep you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, keeping, keeping from taking things personally? I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, it truly is. You know, we, we navigate through playing the game, you know, with, with the highest of integrity. I mean, that's that that's what we stand on. And that's because, uh, again, I don't want to go work for somebody else. And 
I have an investment business and I have an education business. And, you know, the minute that I start to pull some shenanigans and somebody calls me out on the rug, um, you know, you and I both know you probably more than I, that in this world of social media transparency, your whole, you know, much of your business is on Facebook. It doesn't take, but you know, yeah. one or two people to call you out in terms of your integrity or the way you've handled a deal or handled an individual or handled an in, in individual's emotions in a deal. And, you know, anything be, can be construed and then you are just slayed in the court of public opinion. And, you know, there goes a portion of, if not your business. And that's, that means two for me, I raise private equity. So um, if my name gets out there in terms of not operating in integrity and, and I'm just a, you know, a schmuck, then nobody's going to invest with me passively and nobody's going to want to take our training uh, from anybody who's not operating above the board and with the highest integrity. And so more than anything else, more than protecting our, our, our credits, more than um, trying to save a buck um, or, or fight, you know, for what we think is ours in terms of dollars or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. At the end of the day, this is a marathon in our integrity and operating from that standpoint. Um, of protecting that above anything else, above uh, profits in, in certain situations. That's how we play the game. There's other folks that would rather not. They view it as short term and, you know, the game's going to end in a couple hours and um, by God, I better win at all costs. And I don't care who I crush in, in the meantime because I'll, you know, I got the pot of gold. <laughs> that's, that's the other guy. That's exactly yeah. what the mentality of the other guy is. But the, mm -hmm. the new trend that's actually coming up, what we, what we live and die by at Royal Legal Solutions, and it sounds like what you're, you're doing as well too, is saying that in, in the modern age, actually your reputation is, is everything that it comes it to is. that you can't do business anymore because your reputation is actually too transparent and too widespread and too easy to find out about. So you can't yeah. hide anymore. And what's actually made us shift to do, I think probably similar to, to what you do is, is that we have to, you know, people used to be able to advertise it's a hundred percent money back guarantee to buy credibility. Well, mm -hmm. in the modern age of doing business, it's almost, it implicitly has to be that because you yeah. can't really afford yeah. to have crazy people blast you on social media. You yeah. have to be able to be able to take on, you know, all these other pieces up. And I, I just wanted to loop back to something, Scott, because I know mm -hmm. um, we have a limited amount of time here today. And there was, there was a piece that you touched on uh, earlier that was uh, really good about when you were taking on the new project. Right. You mm -hmm. went in and you, you ended up coming into the, the building that you bought for the first time and you were, you're looking at saying, okay, how can this make sense? It looks like you got it for no money down, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a, there's a key piece that, uh, that you jumped in here because it was something new. It wasn't just a piece of real estate, but you were also building a business simultaneously mm -hmm. with the real yeah. estate. And so you were doing two parallel things, which yeah. is almost like what we yeah. call in the entrepreneurial world, zero to ones. Like I'm creating right. from something from the ground and having to build a new, which is crazy difficult. And yeah. it's something I haven't really necessarily done before. Um, mm -hmm. But what was really neat with that is I was wondering if you would elaborate a little more on it. It was the importance of, of having a solo focus because that with the time, what you did is you actually extricated yourself from all of the other business mm -hmm. activities or real estate mm -hmm. you were doing. And that became mm -hmm. a single task of like, I'm only yeah. doing this right now. And um, so all your energy was put into that. Did, it, would you elaborate a little bit more on the importance of, mm -hmm. um, of that singularity of focus? Well, I am, I, I'm not the, the smartest guy, but I, I will certainly outwork other folks and, and operating from a place of integrity tends to, you know, draw people to us. You know, that is the business capital that uh, I have in spades versus uh, just about anything else is being able to, you know, to rally folks around um, to want to be a part of what we're doing. And so that, that's, that's what we did in this project. You know, I was working with the city and, you know, very, very well aware of, uh, PR and and you know how we can leverage that in terms of what we're doing to you know, create this small business incubator again. I mean that's always big news in the business journals. The city comes alongside 
uh, the Small Business Administration. You know, we get press releases and, and all of this is creating a buzz around this building. Uh, and so this is still a building. And I'm, by the way, I'm in the same building right now. That's where we're speaking from. And, you know, more folks were attracted to this. And so as you lease up the building and people want to become a part of this, uh, then, you know, up goes the net operating income and the ultimate value of this. And so in order to do that, if there's anybody that they could go out and rent an office space that's uh, closer to downtown, um, even if it doesn't have free parking, you know, it's more of a class A office space, uh, class B, um, chic, close to restaurants, I mean, you, you name it. Um, but what we created a mile from downtown, um, even though it didn't have free parking, was a, a class C facility in a class C neighborhood. Um, but we had uh, 110 entrepreneurs in all aspects of business, you know, running and starting and launching businesses. And, you know, as they say, the, you know, the fire burns hotter when the coals are closer together. And so just the buzz around a, an entrepreneurial venture, a whole bunch of folks that could learn and lean on each other from pizza Fridays to, you know, pitching their own business plans, even if they launched their business a year ago you know, business plan competitions and then, you know, meetings uh, specifically on how to raise capital and how to do things better where everybody can lean on each other, uh, cry on each other's shoulders when there's uh, losses in their business. You know, we'd created this uh, pretty cool community and it was getting a lot of, um, you know, a lot of exposure from uh, the city and elsewhere. And there's, there isn't anybody, you know, a property manager that's getting paid, whatever a property manager does uh, for an office building, you know, they're not going to do those types of things to just lease up a building. They're not going to go the extra effort to create a community. And so we, we knew that that's, you know, we had a, a tiger by the tail and um, perhaps I guess it is a little bit of an ego piece as well, you know, to, to say, Hey, this, you know, here's what we've created. And yes, Scott Myers is the executive director. Um, but also at the end of the day, not, 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 no glory to me, but just to point back to say, Hey, here's a venture that worked, you know, here's an idea that we took and, you know, we, we decided that this was the approach that we're going to take. This was a lot of gut feel and you know what? It worked, you know? So it's like fishing. It's like marketing. You throw something out and you see if uh, people, uh, if fish bite on it or if people take, and then when you do that and you continue to work at it and perfect it, and then you see that you built something that's more unique than anything else out there. Um, you know, that, that's gratifying. I and mean, that, that's in, in business. It's, it's tough. You know, I, I used to rehab houses and we'd paint a whole house with a sprayer in a day and I felt like I accomplished something. But in business, you know, we move paper from one side of the desk to the other <laughs> and clear out email inboxes. You know, you can't really tell that you've moved the needle. Well, this was a little bit different. We could definitely tell that we moved the needle and that's, that, that's the fun part of what we did. And, and so with this deal, was it, the whole deal was predicated on the fact that you were actually going to have a business that you were going to launch simultaneously with the mm -hmm. piece of real estate that you were building, right? Yeah. So as much as this was like a real estate play, it was really a business play that yeah. had a real estate component to it. Fair right. to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so is that, and when you're looking at your, your current stuff that you're working with and um, your current real estate investments, is that also what you're looking at saying that's actually where you maximize value with, or is it really kind of like a passive yeah. investment type strategy? Or are you constantly looking to say, how can we make this an active business and yeah. tied in with the real estate? Now, so, so let me finish this story, which leads okay. in, directly into that. Yeah. So I, you know, I, um, we bought the building back again. And we're going through the same things, but this time as it more of as, as a real estate play this time around, um, because uh, what the term incubator and accelerator really has kind of morphed through the years since we sold this last one. And meaning it comes along with, um, you know, usually in partnership with a university and significant amount of dollars investing in and equity in people's businesses. And I didn't have the time to devote uh, to that this time around. So we realized that there's still a need um, for this type of space, but just not without all the support. 
And so we've done that. We've, we've leased it back up again. It's a nice clean building and it operates in the same fashion just as in a heavy assistance that comes along with it. Um, and it's now listed for $3 million instead of 3.9. So we thought maybe we'd sell it for two, we're gonna sell it for somewhere you know, shy of uh, $3 million. Uh, and then along the way, you know, I, I built a, a self-storage business. Uh, we own and uh, develop self-storage facilities all across the country. Uh, but then I began teaching people how to invest in self-storage. So after I exited this property the first time um, in 2008, we launched a, uh, our self-storage education business. And both of those businesses were going forward. Uh, they were 60-hour-a-week businesses because both were doing extremely well. And then I had to draw a line in the sand and say, you know, once again, what, where, where are my talents uh, best spent? And so we raised our prices again, like we did in this building, and um, uh, but provided coaching and, and mentoring at the top level in our education business rather than the looky-loos and people, you know, the seminar junkies. We said, we're only going to work with people that are going to go out and do this. So we increased our prices and we added a partnering component that says at this top level, these are the only folks that we're going to, we're going to mentor. And when we mentor them, we're also going to get into a deal with them and we guarantee that we will assist them in getting into a deal in which we interject ourselves as a small percentage. So that, that feeds both of, of uh, my, uh, my need and desire and want to just coach and help and mentor people along, uh, but then also doesn't take away from the thing which I'm my highest and best use and what I really like to do the most, which is, which is really turning these deals around and creating value. Um, in either a, a vacant piece of ground that we build a self-storage facility on or a bowling alley that we buy and convert to self-storage and add an income stream to from nothing like you had mentioned, uh, but then doing it along with other folks and, and then leveraging that. So we've taught them. We've worked alongside of them. They're our partners. And then they go out and do more deals and um, hopefully bring us into those deals as well. And, and it leverages my time. And um, again, getting away from the things that don't make sense, but moving towards the things that I love to do, which is uh, very little time, but focused time teaching people and very focused time investing in real estate at the highest uh, or the biggest types of deals with the most upside and gain. Ah, man, Scott, you're a Goliath, man, of doing real estate yeah. development as well with doing entrepreneurship all in the same all in the same breath. That's I'm blessed. Fantastic. I am very blessed. It's nothing. You, I, you I have am so just much fun. I, <laughs> I was like, that sounds like a blast. Uh, to it is. Fame. We're in a good place. Yeah, that's great, man. I, um, I'm really stoked for you. It sounds like you're doing, I haven't, you know, so much going on and that's really, um, I bet just, I bet people just learn reams from your education materials, um, coming through with it just because it, to be able to compare, just, just the mindsets that you have to have with the way that you analyze problems from both an entrepreneurial perspective as well as looking at it from a real estate perspective um, mm -hmm. are just really dynamic. You don't really find that those two cross over very much inside of the marketplace of ideas. Um, with mm -hmm. real estate, because um, just most most real estate investors just are, typically are looking to uh, aren't looking aren't looking from that perspective of like yeah. mm -hmm. the imagination, the vision that it really takes to be able to produce that. Um, so, so that's awesome. I, I know we're short on time here, um, Scott. So uh, typically, what we do at the um, end of, of each episode is mm -hmm. a lesson learned um, from, from each guest. And, um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll kick us off for, for, you know, what I learned for today was sitting here with you was that, um, you know, there's, there's the ability, um, that we've touched on before of saying that we can take on really big projects like you did initially with mm -hmm. looking at mm -hmm. what that was, uh, for the piece of real estate in conjunction with doing a building of a business, but it really takes a ton of energy and singular focus, mm -hmm. um, into that to be successful. I think one of the, the, stories that I hear more often is when people bite off those types of pieces and they have so many other things going on in their lives and then they can't really dedicate all the energy and focus they need into it. And so it fizzles out and they had a great vision, but they didn't have yeah. poor execution.
execution because they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just want to applaud you on saying that that's awesome that you did that. And I think well, that's a great you. lesson for all of us to do it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that way is the singularity of focus and not multitasking, single tasking into something yeah. that's going to be huge. Um, mm-hmm. So thanks. That's what I picked up from today and I'm stoked about. Um, if there's something mm-hmm. that you wanted the audience to walk away from from your story here today, Scott, like what would that be? Yeah, I think, you know, a couple of things that the, the drum that we're beating these days, uh, one, one of which is, is kind of speed. You know, the, the projects that we're looking at right now are pretty complex and it's really costly if we don't um, hit our marks. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we have to keep on top of, you know, contractors, we have to keep on top of the loan process. You know, a lot of things that we would love to, to have move in a linear fashion don't always do that. Um, you know, they're, they always have to wait. There's carts and there's horses and, and they're getting jumbled around at times. And so just making sure that we're on top of everything and everybody because uh, speed is the name of the game right now. And, and uh, when you're, when things get delayed, it's just costly. And we, we realize that, but probably the bigger piece right now, which also kind of works into this in, in terms of uh, time and timing. And, and I'm not sure I've, I've, I missed a couple of podcasts here and there, Scott, but, you know, talking about, you know, the pending correction, you know, it's going to happen. Um, we all know that. And there's signs that we're heading into a correction now, you know, the bond market is doing the same things it always does um, heading into a correction. Um, interest rates creeping up, consumer confidence is down, business um, bankruptcies are, are up again. So, you know, all the markers are there that it may be happening, but it still may be delayed another year, year and a half or two. Uh, but just, you know, having that, uh, that mindset and that focus, um, again, 2008, you know, there was, a, there was a, you know, when, when Lehman dropped, you know, banks shut off funding and people got left holding the bag and, you know, the carnage was everywhere in terms of real estate investors all, all across the landscape. Uh, but especially those folks that were counting on selling something to get paid back again and, and counting on their credit lines, always staying open in order to do business. And then when the faucet was shut off, then they, they, they folded um, immediately. And so what we're, you know, constantly looking at is every project that we go into and all the folks that we um, talk to right now is, okay, is this a one-year project? Is this a two-year project? Is this a five-year project? And what's going to happen, you know, when the recession hits, you know, interest rates go up, cap rates go up, the value of your real estate goes down. Are you counting on the fact that you have to sell this, you know, in three years because you have to pay your, your equity investors back in that time frame? Well, we're going to be in a recession in three years. Interest rates are going to look like this, you know, just making sure that everybody that, um, you know, i shouting it from the rooftops, if you will, just saying, hey, all the investors out there thinking that, um, you know, this boom that has been going on and all the folks that came into uh, real estate after, you know, 2009, 10, 11, um, you're not as good as you think you are. You know, you, you've got the, the, a large wind in your sale right now of a booming economy. Um, so don't, don't think for one minute that um, you're as good as you think you are. And especially if you're not preparing for what's going to happen when this changes. And when it changes, you know, we're going to go through the same thing we do during every correction and that those folks that have taken a good hard look at their business model and have prepared for what happens during a recession when interest rates go up and uh, loans aren't as plentiful if you're selling houses or if you have to sell all types of real estate and your credit lines go up or they're shut off due to the recession. You know, if you haven't prepared for that, then um, some of those folks um, uh, inevitably, as you and I both know, Scott, are, are going to you know, be some of the carnage in this next one. So. Uh, and if you don't know what that looks like because you haven't been through a recession, then find a manager, find somebody to talk to, you know, talk to a banker, you know, because they're doing the same things in, in terms of the loans that they make right now. You, we're seeing different terms being made on uh, loans. You know, the lenders, the banks are getting prepared for the recession. So um, if you haven't given it any thought, give it some thought because the landscape will be changing soon. And if you're not prepared for it, um, you may be in for a rude awakening and you may not be able to, you know, backpedal, change direction uh, or wind something down as quickly as you would like. And unfortunately, you don't want to do that on the bank's terms. You want to do that on your terms. So 
uh, start preparing. That's uh, sorry, again, a long winded answer to your question, but um, um, that's probably the piece of wisdom or experience having gone through now, you know, essentially two and a half recessions in, in real estate and the things that we've learned and the things that we're, we're having discussions about these days. That's awesome, Scott. No, I, I think that's an incredibly good advice. And it's one of the pieces that can actually be painful to have to look at for everybody to do. And yep. I think it's one of those things like, and, and, and the, uh, for a lot of people, it's like estate planning, right? You never want to think about your exactly. death and what I have to do with that. And you never want to think about the economy reversal because you're like, ah, oh, things are going pretty good right now. That sounds like a lot of work mm-hmm. to have to actually plan for and figure out what that's going to look like. Um, but mm-hmm. the, 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 the price that you pay for eating the bull, you know, eating your salad right now is that you're a little bit healthier later on, you know? And, and yeah. that's what, you know, I think that's what we have to look for. Um, and, and, and that's what it really takes. If you really want to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and you really want to be an investor in the top levels of the game, sometimes it means, you know, chewing a little bit of glass, you know, yeah. to, be able to go through the rough part. So, yeah. Um, that's well, awesome. Well, that hard work uh, right now, Scott, is uh, not as hard as trying to wind a business down with the bankers forcing you to wind it down. So uh, it, it's worth doing it now. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it's a lot better to try to look at trying to do that now than it is to try to figure out, holy smokes, how the world, yep. how well, world do I bounce back after I'm sitting mm-hmm. there, you know, after four nights of crying on my couch. Yep. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Right. Like, that's way worse. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's mm-hmm. something if you haven't lived through a recession before and gotten bit really hard, you don't mm-hmm. really know the full extent of the pain, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and in our, in my field, we talk about a lot about lawsuits being the same thing. Like most people are never, are, aren't really sued that often. It might happen once or twice in their entire life as a real estate investor, mm-hmm. but it's crippling, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. age overnight yeah. because of it. And, and recessions are, are similar and how they can just devastate yep. you mm-hmm. um, if you don't prepare for them. And so, yep. you know, law favors are proactive, finances favor proactive, being proactive is the only way to live. It is. You really want yeah. to be successful long-term. So Scott, if, yeah. if people want to get in, in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Our, uh, our website, selfstorageinvesting.com, selfstorageinvesting.com. Um, they, that way they have access uh, to me, access to some resources on uh, the real estate side. You know, we talk a little bit about our journey as we did uh, today. And then there's also information about um, our, our, our charity piece. Uh, we build houses in Mexico and the Dominican Republic and give them away. And so if that's something uh, you're interested in being a part of as well, that's uh, basically our business life is there on our site. That's awesome, Scott. Thanks so much for being on the show. And of course, this is a best deals episode with, uh, with my good friend, Scott, and this is the Royal Legal Solutions uh, representative, Scott Royal Smith with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Everybody join up with us here on social media. Um, you know, if you ever get an opportunity, we're blasting all kinds of cool stuff for you with free content and also promoting our speakers ahead of time so you guys can get a better feel for uh, everybody before they get on the show. So, Scott, for coming on. And everybody, until next time, everybody be well. Thanks. That's all for this Best Deal episode. And I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary best deal could be your next one. So keep at it. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day and I'll see you again soon.